Welcome to episode four of Idiom America, where I like to take a closer look at those precious bits of language that have come down through the years from somewhere, try to find out where, and then see where else that leads. Last episode, I took a look at fit to be tied and other tying idioms, and for some reason, another tied uh, idiom came into my head and hasn't left, so I thought that might be a good place to begin this episode. Uh, this is a different kind of tide, though, nothing to do with tying knots. Uh, whether it's an ocean tide or the tide that comes from the time or season, referred to in word like Yule tide, I-, I wasn't sure before looking into this idiom some more. I could still see it going either way. Anyway, the idiom is to tide one over, as in, I hope my stock of tomatoes tides me over till some new ones ripen. Meaning basically to make money, food, or supplies of some kind last until things are topped up again. And we're all familiar with tides as in ocean tides. And there are a lot of expressions, not not quite idioms, that relate to this definition of tide. Uh, For example, a rising tide lifts all boats. Drift with the tide. Go against the tide. Go with the tide. Happy as a clam at high tide. Uh, Incidentally, I'd always heard this last one shortened to just happy as a clam. Uh, But the full expression makes much more sense, I think, as I can imagine clam gets fairly anxious at low tide, waiting for the water to return. And this use of tide, meaning rise and fall of the sea, came into use in the uh, 14th century. Uh, But the word tide is also an old English word for time or season that's been around even longer than that. Uh, Think Yuletide, for example, meaning the season of Yule. Uh, And the season of Yule is an interesting one. I I, I knew of Yuletide and Yule Logs, but that's about it. I I didn't realize that Yule was a 12-day pagan festival historically observed by the Germanic peoples that was connected to the god Odin. And the Anglo-Saxons, they had something similar too, um, which makes that song 12 Days of Christmas uh, make a little more sense. Uh, Yule is also the origin of Yule singing, also known as wassailing, or or nowadays as caroling. And wassailing has its own fascinating history, uh, and there were two types of it. Uh, One was the going to house to house, but uh, they would also go to the orchards to sing to the apple trees to promote a good harvest for the next year. And I really like the idea of getting together in a group and going to sing to some trees. Uh, anyway, anyways, it all seems to have involved drinking uh, from the wassail bowl full of hot spice cider and often demands for figgy pudding by bands of rowdies. Uh, and here are the lyrics to We Wish You a Merry Christmas. Um, Yule, it was also connected to the wild hunt, uh, which was a chase or hunt for souls led by a mythological figure like Odin or a long dead Danish king or the devil or Cain or King Herod. Uh, who are accompanied by a bunch of hunters, uh, usually the souls of the dead or ghostly dogs, valkyries, fairies, elves, or some psychopomps. And there are some pretty cool paintings out there that depict this wild hunt with all its soul-raving intensity that I enjoyed looking at. Uh, at any rate, Yule got Christianized and uh, Yule Tide became Christmas Tide, a word I've never heard used much, but which is apparently a thing. Uh, Tide, in the sense of time or season, also survives in a few more words besides Yuletide and Christmastide. Uh, In the the Christian church context, there's Eastertide, Whitsuntide, Shrovetide, and Ascensiontide. And outside that context, there's Springtide, Wintertide, Noontide, Eventide, and I'm most familiar with that last one, Eventide, uh, largely because of the beautiful hymn, 
abide with me tis eventide uh, eventide means evening or as the hymn puts it the time when day is past and gone the shadows of the evening fall the night is coming on and lone will be the night if i cannot commune with thee nor find in thee my light the darkness of the world i fear would in my home abide uh, according to the website of the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, which does a nice rendition of this hymn, uh, it was written in 1870 and was heavily influenced by its author's experiences in the American Civil War, uh, which comes through in the music and lyrics, I think. Uh, anyway, I, I like the word eventide. I think it's a pretty evocative way to say evening. Uh, also from this meaning of tide as time or season, I've got to think, we got the word tidings or, or news. So from we wish you Merry Christmas, we wish you a Merry Christmas again. We get good tidings we bring to you and your kin. Uh, from the story of Jesus' birth in the Bible, uh, fear not, for behold, I bring you great good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Uh, and tidings it survives in other contexts as well, but not quite like it does in context pertaining to Christmas. Uh, you can chalk another one up to the power of that tradition, I suppose. Anyway, I, I, I digress into this history of the word tide in order to inform the origin of the expression tide me over. And I can see it originating with both meanings. Uh, supplies coming in with the sea tide or biding one's time or tide until supplies come again. Uh, in, in reality, these two meanings are, are not really all that separate uh, because tide in the sense of rising water took its meaning from tide in the original sense of time or season. Uh, as the literal meaning translated to time of high water. And there are some great sites on the internet that look into such things, and one tells me that the term tiding over first appeared in print in 1627, and that it was used by sailors to mean uh, floating with the tide before dropping anchor, a kind of passive sailing when no wind was present. Uh, in fact, it was none other than Captain John Smith, uh, best known for establishing the first permanent English settlement in North America at Jamestown, Virginia, uh, who explained in 1627 that to tide over to a place is to go over with the tide of ebb or flood and stop the contrary by anchoring till the next tide. And from there, it, it took on more of the meaning about floating over obstacles on a swelling tide taking advantage of a favorable tide to surmount some difficulty. And then by the early 1800s, it, it took on its present meaning. A few more tide expressions I didn't know too well before looking some of this up that I find interesting to throw out there are uh, one, a tide waiter, uh, which primarily means a custom inspector. Uh, another one is working double tides. Uh, which means to perform the labor of three days and two days, uh, referring to working by the night tide as well as by the day. And uh, another one is time and tide wait for no man, meaning basically stop procrastinating. Uh, another one of those expressions is uh, the tide is turning, which of course means a reversal of fortune or situation. Uh, although I'm sure the idea has been around for much longer, one of the first uses I could find of this expression in print uh, comes from none other than George Washington, uh, writing to John Marshall from his estate in Mount Vernon in 1799, when he wrote Marshall, with infinite pleasure I received the news of your election. For the honor of the district, I wish the majority had been greater, but let us be content and hope as the tide is turning, the current will soon run strong in your favor. 
I've got a bit of experience with tides in the current along the Potomac around Mount Vernon, and they definitely go a long way toward setting the rhythm and geography of that place. And I can see how it could be a place from which an idiom like that could take off. Uh, it, it seems that this phrase, tide is turning, is mostly used in the context of war politics, uh, which assumes that uh, one draws a distinction between the two and doesn't take too far. Uh, Carl von Clausewitz's famous a- aphorism about war being the continue war being the continuation of politics by other means, uh, and maybe that's part of the reason I've always enjoyed that Roger Waters song, "The Tide Is Turning." Uh, which he wrote for Live Aid but never performed there. Uh, and another reason I like the idiom, the tide is turning, is that it brings to mind a, a similar idiom, uh, sea change, or a complete change in attitude or behavior, a radical change in direction or perspective, uh, be it at the individual or the society level. Um, and this phrase, sea change, evolved from an older and more literal usage when the term referred to an actual change wrought by the sea a definition that still remains uh, in limited usage. In its form as sea change, uh, it originally appears in Shakespeare's The Tempest, written way back in 1610 or 11, uh, when the supernatural spirit, Ariel, sings as follows to a prince whose father died by drowning. Full fathom five thy father lies, of his bones are coral made. Those are pearls that were his eyes, nothing of him that doth fade, but doth suffer a sea change into something rich and strange. Sea nymphs hourly ring his knell, ding dong, hark, now I hear them ding dong bell. Here the sea change is perhaps more literal, but no less radical, Uh, for the sea to me has always represented uh, some vast breathing body, living, pulsing, birthing, fertile, flowing, exciting, mysterious, deep, moving, touching, uh, an impossibly powerful other. Uh, So a change brought by the sea seems to me to be a profound one indeed. Uh, Nowadays, however, it seems like sea change is one of those idioms that has kind of been uh, co-opted and turned into a corporate or immediate buzzword uh, in the the U.S. and it's kind of lost some of its original color and depth, I think, but, but reading that Shakespeare helped bring it back for me. Uh, and then the final tide idiom I wanted to look at is stem the tide. And this one goes back a long time. Uh, Google's Ingram has examples from around the year 1600, and I'm sure it goes back further uh, than that in the oral tradition. Um, and there's one interesting thing about that Ingram that I should have noted in the last episode when I was talking about how a lot of S's used to be printed as F's before 1800s. Uh, that fact, along with some other spelling variations, can complicate searches for some of these idioms because words that have S's in them, like stem, can be written with an F instead. Um, and, and not to get profane, uh, but it was kind of fun to put the four-letter four letter F word uh, into Ngram and see the resulting graph. Uh, It makes it seem like people were swearing up a storm on the printed page uh, back in the 1600s and 1700s and then took a complete break from 1800 until about 1950 or so. But uh, this is, of course, deceiving as the F word back in the 1600s and 1700s was actually just the word suck. Um, 
anyway, a lot, a lot of the early examples of stem the tide uh, have to do with trying to stop the spread of a particular religion. And that's a fitting idiom for that, I think, uh, because that's one of those things that's historically been pretty hard to stop, uh, just as it would be pretty difficult to actually stem a tide or hold it back. Um, and holding back a tide reminds me of something I used to hear about a fair bit growing up as one of those potential sources of green energy that would solve all our climate change problems as an inexhaustible source of clean, renewable energy, and, and that's tidal power plants. Uh, it seems like I haven't heard as much about this as a viable option lately, so I wanted to check in to see what the deal is. And it turns out that uh, producing tidal energy economically requires a tidal range of at least 10 feet. And those aren't all that common, although there are places where the tide can cause water levels near the shore to rise and fall up to 40, 50 feet. Uh, the, the United States doesn't have any uh, commercially operating tidal energy power plants, although several demonstration projects are in various stages of development. Uh, two places in the United States with potential for tidal power are the Cook Inlet of Alaska, which has the second highest tidal range in North America, and several places in Maine. Uh, the world's first large-scale tidal power plant was the Rance uh, tidal power plant in France, uh, which became operational in 1966. And it remained uh, the largest tidal power station in terms of output, out output until Siwa Lake tidal power station opened in South Korea in 2011. And it has a capacity of 254 megawatts. And to put that into some perspective, uh, that pales in comparison to the world's largest plant, which is by a large margin, uh, the Three Gorges Dam hydroelectric power plant in China. Uh, it has a capacity of 22,500 megawatts, uh, which is over three times as big as the United States' largest power plant, which, by the way, is also hydroelectric. It's uh, the Grand Coulee Dam plant. Uh, tidal power is not nothing, though. It's 254 megawatts is bigger than the largest power plant in a lot of countries, uh, such as Kenya, Nepal, Tanzania, to name a few. Uh, and tidal power, I think, has great potential for future ele electricity generation because tides, they're more predictable than the wind and the sun. Um, but so far, its economic and environmental costs have held it back. Uh, but new technologies may change that, and so there's hope that the tides will take on a bigger role in power generation. And some bigger projects are in the work, uh, particularly in the UK. And I know I, for one, think it's high time the moon pulled its own weight here on Earth. Instead of just reflecting the sun, it can do some work of its own. Uh, which reminds me of an article I read recently entitled, Beware the Moon's Wobble. Uh, it was fascinating. Uh, the article starts out like this. A uh, few things seem as stable and predictable as the moon. It goes from new to full and back again every month. It moves the tides. The same side always faces Earth. And every so often, it temporarily blocks the sun. Uh, but turns out that the moon isn't quite so stable, though, and it wobbles. Uh, some years, the wobble lowers tides, and others, it makes them higher. Uh, but this wobble is actually part of the moon's regular motions, uh, because it doesn't revolve around the Earth on a flat plane, but has a tilted orbit that makes it oscillate along its path in an 18.6-year cycle, uh, kind of like a coin that uh, is about to stop spinning. And the moon is currently in the latter half of that cycle, which is one reason why coastal flooding has been such an issue the past few years. 
and it's going to be in the cycle that amplifies tide levels again in the mid-2030s. And that's when a lot of scientists predict that coastal flooding will get really bad, uh, especially when combined with sea level rise due to climate change. And I was a little bit surprised I hadn't heard more about this moon wobbling phenomenon and its effect on the tides. Uh, sea levels have been rising a uh, few centimeters a year recently, which is a serious concern, particularly since the pace has been quickening and serious people are predicting that we, the sea levels could rise by up to five feet by the end of the century. Uh, but short term, the amplifying effect of the moon's wobble on tides appears to have as much of an effect from what I can tell, although the data is a little hard to come by with the NASA study that the articles discussed being behind a paywall. Um, but at any rate, wobble or not, for those of us on the coast, it does appear that at some point we're likely to get tided over and not in the good way uh, if things keep going as they have been. And on that dour note, thanks for listening to uh, episode four of Idiom America, and stay tuned for more.